costume drama rewind today we're bringing you a preview of our new season and sharing some fun memories from a historic and historical trip that we took together at the beginning of summer we're going to share some costume drama heavy hitters as well as a few newer entries into the field next month for our traditional spooky october we're going to cover sleepy hollow and pan's labyrinth and later in the fall we'll get into some women's history with suffragette and Native American history with Black Robe. In December, I'm forcing Laura, the worst millennial ever, to finally watch Titanic, and in January, we'll watch The Gilded Age right before the much-anticipated second season gets underway. In February, we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day with a Tainted Love double feature, reviewing both the American and the British versions of The Other Boleyn Girl. Also in our rotation, this winter and spring will be great films like Harriet and Dunkirk, and we'll certainly pick out a few that will allow us to discuss the life and legacy of Queen Elizabeth II, who is lying in state in London as we tape this episode. And that brings us to the other thing we wanted to talk about. In June, we traveled to London to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, honoring her 70 years on the throne. One thing that was really cool about this trip was that we were constantly surrounded by either filming locations, places that were depicted in the movies that we've covered, or seeing connections to all these topics and films. And we wanted to tell you about some of them to share some of the cool things we saw and maybe inspire your next trip. We both loved Hampton Court Palace, which was of course originally constructed by Henry VIII's chief minister, Cardinal Wolsey, and very soon seized by Henry himself. And part of Amazing Grace was actually filmed there, though it's set many centuries after the palace was built and after the period that it interprets. There's a scene where they're carrying baskets of food into Parliament to treat Wilberforce's supporters, and they're All actually- six of them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're actually unloading those carts and carrying them in in a courtyard of Hampton Court Palace. It's interesting how they could use a space that was built in a very different time to depict, you know, late 1700s, early 1800s. And a place that's so magnificent, but only using it for one little shot. Yeah, it's also a courtyard. It's like right over there is the Hampton Court Recycling Center. A number of scenes from A Man for All Seasons are also set at Hampton Court, of course, when Thomas More's arguing with Cardinal Wellesley or visiting his friend Henry. Oh, in the very beginning with yeah. the messenger. Yep. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of debate in the costume drama world about, which is a world, I swear it. We are legion. It's just us and a bunch of people on Instagram. No, so <laughs> there are some sources that will tell you, yes, it was filmed at Hampton Court and isn't that cool? And others that I've read, that say, nope, that is a very popular urban legend right up there with Birds Aren't Real, and it definitely was not filmed there. So we're working on it, trying to find it out. If anybody here is a curator at Historic Royal Palaces and wants to get at us, let me know, because I would love to actually find out. She just wants to stalk you and take over your office, <laughs> Lucy Worsley. <sighs> she and I are fighting anyway. We'll talk about it later. The palace was hosting a joust that afternoon, Side note, they do sell some very delicious cider and homemade Jamie Dodgers, in case you're wondering. It wasn't quite like a knight's tale. Instead of the medieval era, this was supposed to be Tudor era, complete with Elizabeth I reenactor. But I did get to see one of the knights get hurt pretty badly when he got enhorsed. But thank heavens they weren't doing historically accurate medicine from the 1500s. Didn't really work out that well for Henry VIII and his jousting accident. 
We also went to the Houses of Parliament and lots of Amazing Grace, which is going to be a theme in this episode. Just get used to it. Lots of that movie is set in the Commons Chamber and other rooms on the parliamentary state. Most of the building that Wilberforce and Pitt would have known no longer exists, burned in a fire in 1834. However, the original Commons Chamber does still exist. It was St. Stephen's Chapel, which is still, uh, was saved. It's used today for weddings, baptisms, other ceremonials for members of parliament and their family and friends. It is not open to the public, so also if you work on the parliamentary estate and get me access. We would like to be your family or friends. This episode is also about all the other places we would like to see at some point. Thomas More's trial in A Man for All Seasons, of course, also takes place in Westminster Hall, the oldest part of the palace. Those are the scenes that look like a badly lit high school gymnasium. It did not smell like a locker room, don't worry. Westminster Hall is also just a room that's really resonant with history. Everyone who was a major player in British history has passed through there at some point since it was constructed in 1097. It is loaded with just layers and layers and layers of history. There are plaques in the floor that denote where other famous trials, along with Moore's, took place. Of course, the trial of Charles I and the trial of William Wallace, Braveheart, which is a movie that at some point we will screw our courage, suppress our gag reflexes, and try to watch. And it's, of course, also the place that's on TV screens around the world right now as the scene of the lying in state of Queen Elizabeth. When we reviewed the films 1917 and Joyeux Noël, we talked about the senseless loss of lives in World War I. You're reminded of it in one of the rooms that's on the tour. What is it called? The Royal Gallery. Okay, the Royal Gallery. There's this huge list of names of members of Parliament who served in World War One and many who died in that war, and the names just keep going on and on, and so many of them are last names that you will recognize if you're familiar at all with British history. It's all these noble families. It's like a who's who of horrible loss. And I think it does speak a lot about the British experience in World War One when you realize that it was a war that touched every level of society and even people who were in Parliament and members of the nobility sacrificed right alongside everyone else. And that was something that was, I think doesn't get talked about enough. So you got to go to Dover Castle. Yes. Um, that was a day that Laura was the smart one and decided to <laughs> stay back in the city. And Take it easy. Yeah, I somehow did not connect Dover Castle with giant cliffs and straight up and 28,000 steps and everything hurts, but it was so worth it. So Dover Castle is one of England's oldest and best known defensive castles. It was originally constructed by the Normans in their, you know, attempt to subdue England. And it's just a massive structure on top of a cliff Cannot imagine it ever being taken, which in fact it never has. Now, the primary defenses in Central Keep were constructed by our old pal Henry II, if you remember when we covered the line in winter. Great family man. Yes. And the keep is still furnished and decorated to reflect his court. Very comprehensive. It had his throne room and his dining room and his bedroom and Eleanor's bedroom and their storerooms and a couple of chapels, which all had like very creepy Gregorian chant going on, which at first I'm like, please, God, tell me someone else can hear that. It's not ghosts. And it was just really beautifully presented. 
And they also had, you know, an Eleanor of Aquitaine reenactor be bopping around the place. And one of my favorite games to play when I run into a historical reenactor, which happens a lot in my life, is, you know, trying to figure out from context clues exactly where in history they think they are right then. And it became pre clear pretty quickly that Eleanor is celebrating her freedom um, because she is asking for advice about planning the coronation banquet for her eldest and favorite son, Richard I, Richard the Lionheart. So she's in there making lists and giving orders and asking us if we would serve beaver pie or potted eels at the coronation banquet. She wanted something that would really wow the crowd. Which one did you pick? Beaver pie. I love a pastry. But the whole place was just incredibly well done. Absolutely worth the fact that at several points during that day, I was really convinced that I wanted to be like left by the side of the road somewhere in Dover to die. I think I remember all the texts that you kept sending me. <laughs> so much pain. <laughs> well, while Megan was dying from physical exertion, I attended church at St. George's Hanover Square. Think very high church, very traditionally Anglican. So we even got to toast the queen after the service, complete with champagne. As far as I know, none of the movies that we've covered so far have been filmed there or set there, but it's mentioned in one movie that I really want us to do one day, and that's My Fair Lady. I'll strike you a deal. We can cover My Fair Lady if I can sing. Oh. I don't Take know. it or leave it. I'll have to think about it. Okay. But get me to the church on time, and that's the church. It was the fashionable, very proper church to get married in at that time. And so when Eliza's father gets the money and has to, quote unquote, become respectable, that's where he's going to tie that knot around his neck. Speaking of churches, we, of course, had to stop by Westminster Abbey, and probably half the people in half the movies that we have watched so far on this podcast have been married, buried, crowned, toasted, prayed stop. for something. Stopped in for some Yeah, they, 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 they've, all, they've all been there. <laughs> and it is another place where you can really feel the weight and the layers of history. It's, of course, a place we'll be seeing on TV screens around the globe, the Monday after this podcast comes out for the Queen's funeral. Of course, William Wilberforce pops up there too. It's possible that I was just really, really attentive to William Wilberforce popping up everywhere. But you were subconsciously plotting out a William Wilberforce tour of London. Would drop us a comment on our Instagram if you would take that tour. But he is, of course, buried there in the. I believe South Transept, where the other prime ministers and statesmen are, is buried in the floor. I think my husband and the friend we were traveling with were a little bit worried that I was going to lay down on the floor. I was just going to ask about that. You like, touched it. There, 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 there's a lot of security. Um, but he, of course, also has a beautiful monument that's not too far from his grave. So, really neat place. We also had to stop by the Tower of London. It's a place that never gets old, but is also always... Sad and sobering to visit. Thomas More, of course, was held there, and they depict that in A Man for All Seasons. He's executed on Tower Hill right outside, and he's buried in the chapel of St. Peter Advincula within the walls. Um, so it's always interesting to stop by there. We also stop by St. Bart's, the church that has the same name as the hospital. They actually were founded by the same person, he was a courtier of Henry II, a well-known statesman. His name was Rehare, no last name that I know of, but he, in the course of serving Henry, 
got sick, got better, had a religious conversion, and founded both the hospital to serve the poor of London and the attached church. Today, the church is the oldest surviving parish church in London. It's a beautiful Norman architecture, um, so it looks very, very old. And it's a place that you'll have seen in a ton of costume dramas, which I assume if you're listening to this, you either like costume dramas or you're a masochist or you're stalking one of us. Could be any of them. All three. But it's been, it's of course used in Amazing Grace. There it is again. Uh, this, it's used as John Newton's church. So when Wilberforce visits him several times throughout the movie to visit, to seek his advice, it's filmed at St. Bart's. It's used in Elizabeth the Golden Age, which is a movie I'd like to watch. It's used in The Other Boleyn Girl, which we're going to watch. It's also, for my romantic comedy people, one of the weddings from Four Weddings and a Funeral takes place there. So it's gotten used a lot. You've certainly seen it on screen. In addition to seeing all these places, we also have to get food. Always. I like to eat. Uh, sticking to the theme, we went over to London's oldest continually running restaurant, Rules. A couple of the scenes from Down Abbey were filmed there. I can't remember what's were they. I'm pretty sure they're actually from seasons that you haven't watched. Okay. Lady Rose's Bachelorette Dinner, yeah, or Bachelorette it. Lunch, so to speak, takes place there. And then Lady Rose goes and has a drink with the adorable cinnamon roll Bertie Pelham there. We have talked a few times about doing longer TV series, and Downton is definitely one we'd be interested in. So please, listeners, hop over to our social media. Let us know in the comments what you think, if this is something that you would be interested in. However, this was also the day we had lunch at Yield Cheshire Cheese on Fleet Street in the city. It's been in operation since the 1600s, and Charles Dickens, who, as you may remember, was in fact the man who invented Christmas... He ate there frequently and references the place in A Tale of Two Cities. It's this maze of small rooms, low ceilings. You definitely feel the ambiance and you can picture all the many famous guests throughout the centuries. And I like to picture Charles Dickens tucking into some mac and cheese. So I also went on a Jack the Ripper tour of the East End of London. We, of course, covered From Hell during last year's... Spooky October. I can't do it like she does. And that was a really interesting tour as well. Took it through London Walks, who I always recommend for historic and cultural tours of London. We saw some places in the East End that have gentrified over the past 50 years, and also some places that do still look very much what they would have looked like at the time that the Ripper was roaming the streets of London. We thought it was really interesting. We went to a section of Spitalfields and talked about how and what that area was originally home to French Huguenots, who were religious refugees in London, and then to the Irish, and then to Jewish refugees from Eastern Europe, and now it's actually a Bangladeshi community. And it's interesting to me how that part of the city has always been a refuge for people newly arrived in London, even if the country, their countries of origin have changed over the centuries. It was a great tour. Guy did a good job, didn't fall into any conspiracy theories that I could spot. There, I mean, on any Jack the Ripper tour, you're going to have a couple creeps, and there was one kid. It's like taking... <laughs> you weren't the creep? <sighs> he was taking 14 shots of the spot on the pavement where Catherine Eddowes body was discovered. I'm like, I'm just going to stand on this other side of the group, because I don't want to be there when he decides to reenact anything. They didn't have, like, a chalk outline. They, they did not. Okay. We just had to take it on faith. But that was a really interesting tour. We also stopped by Kensington Palace, 
which we actually haven't covered a movie yet that's been set there. I'm sure we will at some point. But guess who showed up there? Yes, so we're in the room that's decorated as Queen Victoria's Playroom. And it's a display of her toys and talks about her very early childhood. And there's a quote on the wall about someone visiting the palace when she's a baby and playing with her and letting her climb all over him. And what a bright, engaging child she was. And it was William Wilberforce playing with baby Queen Victoria. Of course, he had a bunch of kids. He loved kids. And it's really sweet to think of baby Queen Victoria having that connection with Wilberforce. Speaking of another person who seemed to be everywhere in London, we went to Dr. Johnson's house. Or Samuel Johnson's most famous for putting together the first English dictionary, but he was also a writer, literary critic, and just one of those guys who seems to have known every single famous person from his time period. And the house is decorated with pictures of many of these friends, including Hannah Moore, one of the Clapham sect abolitionists that's featured in Amazing Grace. Johnson lived quite a life. You might say he lived quite the life of Johnson, name of his biography. Jokes that, like, four people in the world get, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Including our stalkers. (laughs) But to bring this back to our very first episode, you know whose beautiful, sexy portrait is hanging up at the National Gallery of Art? That's right. None other than Bannister Tarleton, Mr. Best Name Ever himself. And that feels like a good spot to wrap up. This is Costume Drama Rewind. Happy to have shared with you our trip and given you some ideas for your travels. We're excited to be bringing you our third season. She's Laura Skog. She's Megan Judd. Thanks for listening.